0: All right, hello, church. <clears throat> if God calls, are you going to take the call? Yes. Yes. If God calls and you're talking to me, you going to take the call? Yes. Yes. You say, Joe, I got to go. Your God calls. You're talking to Cord. Just hang up. Don't even don't even tell him you got to go. Listen, God's calling us all the time, and we're busy. I got this phone call going on, God. I got this activity going on. I'm watching this movie, God. you want me to take this call? And the whole point is, God is calling us all the time, trying to get our attention, trying to speak to us, trying to engage us. But we're so caught up in other things that we miss his call. We miss his physical call, but we miss the calling that he has on us. Because we're so busy with our own thoughts, ideas, opinions, sins, that we forget to take the call that God has, so let's do what Satan hates let's pray and then we 're going to get to work. Father I, I know there are people here with all kinds of situations here in the room and watching online for some it took all they had just to sit up. Uh, some are probably not in very good shape from what happened last night but I pray that you'd speak to them anyway. I pray that your spirit Would work in spite of their battles with anxiety, struggles in their marriage, factors of grief, loneliness. Lord, that you would meet us here and the day that we would know that you are calling us, that you are, through Jesus, trying to connect with every single one of us. So, Lord, may your work, may your word work mightily in us, may your spirit bring life to the word. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Amen. You know, I'm in a, I'm in a, my favorite Mexican restaurant the other day, and I'm, you don't brag about stuff like this, but I'm pretty fluent in Spanish. I'm, uh, well, I'm pretty amazing. I mean, it's just no getting around it. And I'll go into this, my favorite restaurant, and I start speaking in Spanish, and they don't understand a thing I say. And I say, I thought you were Spanish. Don't you understand Spanish? And I'll say more brilliance and... Well, they struggle. I guess they're not really authentic. I don't know. But anyway, uh, I keep working on it, you know. I and, and so we had a great meal and we get up to leave and, and, I, and I said, mucho. Nothing. They just stared at me. I said, mucho. They just stared at me. Finally, I looked at all, all the servers. I said, mucho, mucho, mucho. Finally, I guess just to get rid of me, a guy in the back in the kitchen says, Thanks, that means a lot. <laughs> ah, you, know, you know, no matter how much you push the envelope, it's still stationary. Should I get to preaching? Would you rather I just, would you rather I just get to work? All right. Listen, Jesus has put a calling on our life. We're going to be in Hebrews chapter 3 today. And the struggle with the book of Hebrews is there are some parts that are real clear. I get it, I get it, I get it. There's other parts where it's complex because it was written to a Jewish audience. It was written back to Christians in Jerusalem who understand all the Jewish laws, all the Old Testament. So there are times when we get into some deep weeds in Hebrews, but the core principles are there for us. And as we've said from the very beginning of this, the book of Hebrews' single message is this, Jesus is supreme. Jesus is supreme over, over all the fake gods. He is supreme over all the idols. He is supreme over the angels. And he is even supreme over Moses. Moses is, was, will be. The number one guy for all Jewish people. To this day, Moses is the one that's revered. They study the Torah, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. First five books. That's what the Jewish people focus on because those are the books of Moses. He has the highest respect. But the Hebrew writer says, Jesus is supreme above Moses. Because he came to pay the price for us. Moses pointed us ahead to what was coming, but Jesus came to put a call on our lives. A call of forgiveness, a call of salvation, and a call of purpose. If you'll stand, we'll read this text. It's just six verses. We'll finish the chapter next week. All right. Therefore, holy brothers and sisters. And let's just stop right there. Holy Holy means without sin, perfect, spotless. Leviticus eleven forty four. 44, God says, be holy because I'm holy. How you doing? I'm in big trouble. I'm guessing you're in big trouble. Because none of us are holy. And yet... When he writes the letter, he says, Dear, holy brothers and sisters, because when you accept Jesus Christ, you are no longer seen by God through the eyes of your life, but through the eyes of what Jesus has done on your behalf on the cross. He is the one that makes you holy. That's why forgiveness is so important. That's why Jesus is so important to the story. You cannot make yourself holy. You cannot make yourself like God only Jesus could do that. Who share the, the holy brothers and sisters who share in the heavenly calling. The heavenly calling. So therefore, because we have a calling, fix your thoughts on Jesus, whom we acknowledge as our apostle, the one who was sent for us from heaven, and the high priest, the one who intercedes for us. He was faithful to the one who appointed him, just as Moses was faithful in all of God's house. Jesus has been found worthy of greater honor than Moses, just as the builder of the house has greater honor than the house itself. For every house is built by someone, but God is the builder of everything. Say that last phrase, you're going to need this. God is the builder of everything. Moses was faithful as a servant in all of God's house bearing witness to what would be spoken by God in the future. Moses is pointing to the future. But Jesus Christ is faithful as the Son over God's house, and we are his house if, if, if indeed we hold firmly to our confidence and the hope in which we glory. You can be seated. So we have to be prepared. and I've entitled the message Lock and Load, and it may offend some of you, and that's okay. Um, in, the, in the gun world, if you're hunting or target shooting or, or whatever, uh, there, there's a phrase called lock and load. And to lock means to take the magazine that has the bullets in it and to snap it into the gun. To load means that you do whatever motion is necessary to put a bullet into the chamber so that you can fire. Because if you're not locked and loaded, you're not ready to hunt or target shoot or whatever you're doing. All right, you non-gun people, are you with me? All right, you have to both lock and load. If you don't have the magazine connected to the gun, you just got nothing. If you hook the magazine on and you don't chamber around, you can pull the trigger and nothing's ever going to come out until you get around in the chamber. Too many Christians I know, you may not like my analogy, but it works. Too many Christians I know are locked, but they're not remotely close to loaded. Oh, they walk around with 50-pound King James Bibles. They've got two or three talking points that they like to argue about and have discussions about, but no clue how to really prepare themselves to be strong in the Lord, how to handle persecution, how to deal with grief, how to help somebody else find Jesus. That's what we were called to do. In 1 Peter 3.15, it says that we are to be prepared to give an answer for the hope that we have in every situation. And I think we've thought that means in good times. Well, It does. But most of the chances you get to share your faith are in bad times. When people are grieving, when persecution is the strongest, when the pressure from the world is on. Listen, who would have thought six months ago that we would live in a world where a, the governor of California would say churches can only have 10 people come to church, they cannot sing, and if you have a Bible study in your house, we'll come arrest you. Now, if you just said that about China... If you'd have said that about iran we'd have said yeah man that's the crazy stuff that happens all the time california i got brothers all over california I've got pastor friends all over california trying to figure out what do we do well, you know what they're doing they're going right ahead with church there's a constitutional issue and there's a christian issue but you need to pray for those churches And don't think we're going to walk away from this. It's just a matter of time, friends. And if you're not prepared, if you're not locked and loaded with Scripture and courage, and he says, if we hold on, that last line, if we hold on to our faith, we will receive the blessings and glory that God has prepared for us. But at the end of time, so many people are going to collapse because you really don't know it. You have a casual observance of Christianity. I'm telling you, now is the time to load yourself full of God. Take his call. If you've not accepted Jesus, accept Jesus. There's a button you can push. If you're watching online, it says, I choose Jesus. Push the button. Somebody will interact with you. They will call you. They will email you. If you're here, you come down front afterwards. People will pray with you. They will answer your, your questions. Last weekend, we had... 13 people, I believe, were baptized uh, out at the beach. That was awesome. Um, two, more, two more have already accepted Jesus this weekend. But there's people right here, and there's a bunch of you watching online that desperately need Jesus. Here's a picture in Austria. Austria is one of the most gorgeous places on earth. This is called the Stairway to Heaven. Anybody interested in that walk? I'm scared up here on the stage. The height of the stage is is throwing me. Now, I don't know that any of us would want to challenge that. But what if God said, the only way to heaven is up that ladder? Well, we'd have to give it a try, wouldn't we? We would do our best. You'd say, well, I I, got to try. But you know what? You don't have to do that. Just for the record, in the Old Testament, Jacob had that vision he saw heaven open and he saw angels descending and ascending on a ladder back and forth to heaven i wonder where they got that idea you want to know where led zeppelin got the idea it's in genesis Uh, but seriously but if they said that most of us would try here's the deal you don't have to because jesus is greater than moses And because he's greater than Moses, he has opened a way to heaven. I don't have to climb the ladder. Jesus already climbed the ladder when he died on the cross for us. All we have to do is accept what Jesus has done for us. And you get discouraged? Let me tell you something else. Hebrews 12. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything everything that hinders the sin that so easily entangles my feet and let us run with perseverance the race marked before us fixing our eyes on jesus the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith for the joy set before him he endured the cross scorning its shame sat down at the right hand of god the father when you get discouraged know that there are millions that are cheering you on that comes at the end of hebrews 11 After all the Christians have been persecuted, it says there is a great cloud of witnesses cheering us on that we would accept the call from God, that we would stay focused on the call that God has for my life. Listen, I don't know about you, but I've got an opinion for absolutely everything that's happening in the world right now. Ask my wife. In fact, sometimes I have two opinions. I argue with myself, which is ridiculous because I know I'm right. So here I am having having debates with myself. But you know what? I got a calling that's far above all that. We've all got things. We've all got things we get upset about. But I've got a calling. God called me and he said, Joe, you got one job. Get people to Jesus. Train those people so they'll go get more people for Jesus. That's the calling that we have. So you either need to... Answer the call to get saved or you need to say, all right, how do I help somebody else get saved? Who do I need to be talking to? Who am I praying for? Who am I inviting? What am I investing my money in? How am I volunteering? By the way, out in the lobby today, they need help. <clears throat> Obviously, we've got a lot of people that are still out. So we need folks to volunteer to help with greeting, ushering, uh, parking lot, uh, Smiling faces, smiling faces behind the mask or not. We need people We need people in a lot of roles. Go out to the guest services desk right out there in the middle of the lobby. Um, they'll sign you up. Because e- either you need to answer the call or you need to fulfill the call. And then he says, the reason Moses was so good is that Moses was faithful to God. But he said Jesus was good because he was faithful to the ultimate plan that God has. And that you and I now have to be faithful to Jesus. The problem is that a major part of Joe wants to be faithful to God all the time. Right? Anybody? I mean, I, I, that's really my desire. But I get stuck sometimes. And I saw this picture online this week. of This is a horse. The horse... That, <laughs> The horse decided to jump out of the stable. Now I studied this for a while, because the horse has a real problem here. The horse weighs what, twenty five hundred pounds? I don't know anything about a horse, but something like that. How are you gonna who's gonna pick up the horse? You gotta pick up one end or the other, and neither one of those seems like a positive idea. Or you cut up the fence, perhaps. I suppose you could try to slide the gate. I don't know. I don't know how you get that horse out of there. But when I saw the picture, I'm not picking on you. I saw me. How many times do I want to be faithful and then I get stuck because I decided, you know what, maybe I can just climb over the fence right here and nobody will notice. Not a big deal. It's really not even a big deal. But I get halfway over and I get stuck and then usually it's God's fault. Anybody else? Anybody know what I'm talking about? That's, that's the kind of struggles we have. And yet, I read stories. There's a man in Central Africa, a partnership that we have there, gave his life to Jesus recently in a country that is 99% Muslim. It is illegal to become a Christian. He did. And when he became a Christian, he was thrown out of his family Lost, lost everybody in his family, lost his job. They took his house. They took his land. Because when you violate Islam, you lose everything. He went out preaching the gospel. The story they wrote me was to say, we want to show you how God has provided for this man every single day since. And he said... Now that I've found the greatest answer in the world, why would I care about anything else? Why would I worry about my land or my house when I have eternity in my hands and I can give it to other people? See, I'm not sure we in the West are there yet. I'm not sure we're ready for that kind of persecution. But listen to what Paul wrote. Philippians one twenty nine, he said, For it has been granted to you on behalf of Jesus not only to believe in him, I like that, I get to believe in Jesus and go to heaven, but to suffer for him. See, we've been brought up in this world, if you become a Christian, you get a Rolls Royce, diamond rings, you get your own island, you get a private jet. And, and as a result of that, we miss verses like this. It is an honor. I have been called not only to believe in Jesus, but to suffer for him. Because in so doing, other people end up finding Christ. Do we have that courage to remain faithful to God when the governor says you can no longer have prayer? You can no longer read the Bible. You can no longer read this particular part of the Bible because that's hate speech. Folks, it's coming. It's coming to a town near you. And Jesus asked this question before he left the earth. He said, when I come back, will I find faith on the earth? Well, I used to think, what a crazy question. Now I think I get it. Because we see the pressure that's all around us. Jesus is calling. The question is, will we answer the phone? And then maybe the key to the whole thing is the phrase, hold on. He says in verse 6, he says, And we are Jesus' house if we hold on to our courage and our hope of which we boast. It's really weird words that he uses there. They're not the normal words for courage and hope. They are words that that are about talking. They're verbs about using words. Will you continue to speak on behalf of Jesus when the pressure's on? When the world is closing in on you, will you still stand for marriage? Will you still stand for pro-life? Will you still tell people about the love of Jesus Christ? Or will you fold up like a cheap deck of cards? If you do hold on, he said, we will receive what we've all wanted all along, and that is to be in our place in the house of God it's a great passage I want to show you this is an Andean condor I have a fascination with these birds Uh, back in the 80's I believe they were down to 20 in all the world I actually got to see one um, in the the St. Louis Zoo Uh, they now are back to several hundred they've re-released them into the wild the Andean condor has a wingspan of 10 feet pretty cool But here's what I found out about the condor. The condor can flap its wings one time and travel 100 miles. Even my wife said, come on, look it up, look it up. And are you ready for this? He can do it at 15,000 feet. Think about where your airplane is. Typical airplanes, what, 30,000 feet? So he's at 15,000 feet, and with one swoop of his wings, he flies 100 miles. Now, that brought a verse to my mind. Isaiah 40, 31 says that those who wait on the Lord will walk and not grow tired, will run and not grow weary. We will mount up on wings like eagles, and we will soar. Just in case, I looked it up because I know, sure as the world, somebody's going to be an ornithologist and they're going to challenge me. And yes, the condor is in the eagle family. And I thought, isn't that something? The picture is not of me working and working and working and working, but it is a picture of me flapping one time and then soaring because God is lifting us up. When we are faithful to Him, that's the promise. Now I want to give you your science lesson here. I'm going to give you your lesson about trusting the Bible, all right? How many of you in the room are left-handed? All right? Keep your hands up for a minute. I'm just, I'm just surveying, all right? I'm not, I'm not profiling. I'm just surveying, okay? Okay, all right. There's 10% of you in the world, if you didn't know that. 10% of people are left-handed. Okay, but... In our bodies, now God put this there 6,000 years ago when he created Adam. Inside our bodies, there are protein molecules that give us life. You knew that. In each single cell of your body, there are these amino acids. And they're left-handed and they're right-handed. Now don't think left-handed and right-handed. Just think of it like this, okay? There's a picture of them. There's one group here. There's one group here. They never switch. Okay. Every living thing on earth, flower, tree, animal, you and me, every amino acid of life in your body is left-handed. You have billions of cells. In one cell, there are dozens. They're all left-handed. This is driving scientists crazy. It's driving chemists crazy. Because if things happen by random chance, what would you expect? If I took a coin and flipped it twice, what would you expect? One heads, one tails. You would not expect that all life would be left-handed DNA. Look it up. In fact... The scientist said the chance of this happening would be like you winning the global lottery 582 weeks in a row. That's for one cell in your body. That's not for your body. That's not for the rest of life on earth. That's for one cell on your body to have all left-handed DNA. Look it up. Look up left-handed DNA. Why would God do that except for us to just be, wow, this can't be. But it is. But it is. So, being kind, I uh, have left-handed scissors. I used to watch my friends struggle. Um, So this side of the room, left-handed scissors. Right there? All right. You cannot get this now because of COVID, and I was going to throw them and Cord said no. He thought that would be... He said that would be something about insurance liability. I don't. Know. <laughs> Left-handed, right back there. All right, over here. All right, right there. All right, they're not loaded. It's safe. All right. Again, with the, the God has put stuff so deeply into things that thousands of years later we're still finding things and being blown away by what's there. What is the purpose of that? Are you ready? It's not hard. It's so that you and I will answer the call. It's so that you and I will pick up the phone and say, I better pay attention to what this God has to say. This did not happen by random chance. I am designed by God. I am loved by God. And I better figure out how to get right with him for all of eternity. So I don't know what you need. Do you need to fix your eyes, your thoughts, That's the first part there. We didn't really even use that term. But he said, because of the calling, fix yourself. Fix your thoughts. Don't get so caught up in all that's going on, all the drama in the world, all the drama on the news, all the drama in your family, maybe even all the drama in your house, the drama in yourself. Don't get caught up in that. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Because he's the only one going to get us out of here. Your eyes wander, my eyes wander. Oh, look, here's this shiny new thing. Oh, look, here's this problem going on. We have to stay focused on the calling that we have. We do it by faith. We quit trying to jump the stalls, and ultimately, we hold on. There's a story in church history about a man named Polycarp. Polycarp, John, that wrote the Gospel of John in your Bible, he also wrote 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. John taught many people, but Polycarp was one of his special young men that he trained. John lives to be 90. Polycarp lives to be 86. So these two men pretty much covered the first two centuries of the church. They were killing Polycarp because of his faith at age 86. They, they were debating, do we cut his head off? Do we, do we crucify him like we have other Christians? Or do we burn him? And they decided they would burn him. And so they went to nail him to a tree so they could build a fire around it. And he said, look, you don't have to nail me to the tree. I'm not going anywhere. He said, my God has been faithful to me for 86 years. Why would I ever deny him now? Those who were there, now this is is not in history, but I'm just telling you what both sides heard. Christians and the ones that were killing him. They heard a voice from heaven that said, Polycarp, play the man. Polycarp, be the man you were called to be, even in death, because I have something so, so wonderful for you. I don't know where you're at, but we've got to be locked and loaded. We've got to be prepared spiritually for what is coming our way. Last story and I'm out. General Grant, Civil War. Grant's an interesting character. Um, in In biographies, they almost all say the same thing. General Grant never did anything right. He didn't much. His marriage, that's really about the only thing he got right. They said he couldn't run a business. He was known as a butcher because he just had men slaughtered on the battlefield. They said the only thing General Grant did right was he won. I thought, you know what? Maybe there's a lesson there for us. Out of all the things that Joe has done wrong, out of all the things you've done wrong, all the things you're watching, Palm Bay and the land, and you're at home, and you're, you're watching this, of all the things you've done wrong, because of Jesus, I can still win. And that's all that really matters. Lord Jesus, we thank you for that hope. And I pray that we would have the courage to hold on, that we would be faithful and that we would use this time to continue to prayer, to prepare, to know your word better, to pray more, to talk more, to invite more, to stand boldly for what we believe. Lord, in this last hour, we want to bring as many people as we can into eternity. We want them to find heaven with us. So Lord, help us to pick up the phone. In Jesus' name.